Hey, everybody. This is the Family Movie Night podcast. My name is Nathan Martin. And in honor of us talking about today's film, Pete's Dragon, uh, I want to ask my wonderful co-host here, Donnie. Uh, Donnie, what magical creature would you have with you uh, at all times if you could? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the best answer in my mind is actually technically two. Okay. One scares me and probably would eventually attack me, but the other one is just adorable. I'd go with like a mantar because I think those are really cool. But I feel what like is a that mantar? That's what? the thing, isn't that the like the horse bull with the feet of a person? There's, well, there, there's two. There's a centaur, which is a man and a horse. Oh, there's a minotaur, which is a man and a bull, mm. and then there's a manticore, which is like a which is like a bull body. With like a scorpion tail and dragon wings or something. So uh, let's go with the horse and the leg. Okay, centaur, centaur, centaur. Okay. So it was something with an R. I like that. End. Or it you would. You want to be, be one or have one? I want to have one primarily okay. because maybe it could teach me things like how to like run better on four legs or two in case of emergency. You. <laughs> I, I can't unpack any of that. Okay, yeah. uh, let's see. Sawyer, magical creature. What are you gonna be? Uh, I'm what gonna, gonna go have? with. Yeah, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna channel the Harry Potter franchise, and I'm gonna go with a hippogriff. Okay. Okay. Which is the the horse eagle hybrid that he rides in the Prisoner of Azkaban, and uh, it's named uh, Buckbeak. Buckbeak. Yep. Yeah, don't don't try me with the Harry Potter stuff. Uh, <laughs> I will say, if I had to have a Harry Potter magical creature, I'd want one of those Thestrals, which are the invisible oh. invisible horses that you can only see uh, if like you've like witnessed a death, which is like yeah. crazy dark and grim. And I'm going, I don't know, like maybe I have a Thestral with me right now. It's right there, <laughs> and I don't know yet. Uh, so maybe that's possible, Heidi. Good to have you on the podcast again uh, here. Regular hosting with us now. What is your uh, answer? Man, I'm going to be so basic and say I would choose a unicorn because I could ride him. So it's kind of practical. But also I could like play with him and he'd be super legit because he's a unicorn. That's true. That's true. And depending on like what universe you live in, maybe he can talk. And yes. Tell you all sorts of different kinds of stuff. And in the... In the Harry Potter universe, if you ever decide he's annoying, you can kill him, drink unicorn blood, you'll never die. But it is a terrible thing to kill a unicorn. <laughs> Nathan, that just sounds like a terrible thing. I don't have to be in Harry Potter's universe to not want to kill unicorns. I'm sorry. A terrible thing for the soul of a person to kill a unicorn. With that being said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome officially to the Family Movie Night Podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. And as you already uh, heard me say earlier, uh, we are talking about the 2016 film Pete's Dragon, which is just a movie I have loved since I first watched it 
uh, not the 1977 film, uh, which is kind of nightmarish uh, in its cartoon live action blending uh, that I saw when I was a kid and couldn't get past it. This movie is full of wonder and beauty, and uh, I think your family's going to love it. But before we get into talking about that, Donnie, why don't you tell everybody what we do on this podcast? Absolutely. So on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build some memories, start conversations that matter. And the goal of your family, goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and some shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. And movie nights are a great opportunity to do that because movies are not only an easy way to share laughter and joy together and even fear and sadness in a safe environment, but they also give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in a way that's meaningful and memorable to our children. And on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies that you can watch on a monthly movie night, but give you some ideas of meaningful conversations that you can have with your children during or after the movie time. And we want to remind you to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook. Uh, if you're a parent who calls Community Christian your home, uh, we have a lot more helpful stuff for you on our parent Facebook group. All you have to do is go to Community Christian Church's Facebook page and click on the tab that says Groups, and you'll find the Community Kids Parent tab. And uh, if you click uh, Join Group, you'll you'll get regular updates about events uh, for your family and uh, all around the church, as well as articles, videos, and content that will help you and uh, encourage and inspire you as a parent as you raise your children to love Jesus. We would love to see you over there. And as always, we have to say this, this is not another thing that you need to add to your list of things you feel guilty about not doing as a parent. This really is supposed to be a way for you to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together so you can build memories and have conversations that matter. So throughout our conversation today, just kind of remember, we, we want to keep it fun uh, and we really want to help you find ways to have meaningful conversations that will help your kids love Jesus and his way of life even more. Let's get into this film. This is Peach Dragon, the 2016 version. This was uh, kind of at the beginning of the Disney, we're going to go back and remake all our old movies and try and give them a new spin. And um, this is really, to me, kind of the turning point for that, for those of you who care about this business side of things. Uh, but, you know, uh, they had Maleficent, which is like 2013, 2014. Uh, the Angelina Jolie film, which is like, we're going to show you uh, Sleeping Beauty, but from the villain's perspective. And it was a, a fairly big hit. It it, it, it garnered a, a sequel out of that. And then uh, Cinderella, I think, is the one I kind of remember as being the first of like, hey, we're going to do a live action remake, but we're not going to make it a musical. We're going to like get, make it its own thing. There's a lot of time spent with like the mother before she dies. There's a, like a whole element to the story that's not in there. Then they make, sometime around this time, they make Peach Dragon, which this is, if you haven't seen the 77 version, uh, it's much more comical. The Peach Dragon, no one else can see Peach Dragon, if I remember correctly. Uh, only Pete can, and he's a cartoon. Uh, this one is more of a Spielbergian uh, kind of remake. It very much is trying to have the same feel 
as the uh, like E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Jurassic Park. Um, and a lot of people, I feel, have tried to emulate that. And the way they do it is they basically just shot for shot redo that. This is the first movie I've ever seen that actually feels like it could have been done by Steven Spielberg in the early 80s and very much fits in that vein. Um, if you don't know what the movie's about, the, it's about the adventures of an orphaned boy named Pete and his best friend, Elliot, who happens to be a dragon. Uh, and so Pete, um, uh, he and his parents at the very first scene of the movie are traveling in a car and uh, they get in a car wreck. A deer runs out in front of them um, and uh, his parents die and he runs into the wilderness, encounters this dragon named Elliot. And uh, I guess that he names Elliot based on the book he has. Um, and uh, then in the future, about five or six years later, um, some people discover uh, Pete in the woods and adventures ensue. We don't want to give too much into that, but let's just talk about this movie. So uh, let's start this time with uh, Heidi. Heidi, you watch this with uh, your kids. I think you said did uh, before we get to the themes of the movie, does this movie just work as a, uh, as a, as a fun kind of movie night movie for you and your kids? Yeah, for sure. Um, my kids are six and two, almost three. And, you know, my three-year-old actually liked it more than my six-year-old, which surprised me. Um, but yeah, we really enjoyed it and it was, it was easy for them to track and, you know, easy for them to follow along, even though it's not a cartoon, which is what they would normally go for. I think a big part of that is I know for my kids who are similar kind of ages, uh, five, six, seven and ten, um, they they the very first thing they said. So you see the dragon pretty early on. That's not a spoiler. You see the dragon almost immediately into the film. And the first thing they said was that dragon looks like a dog. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he does. And then he kind of acts like a dog, like in kind of like his playfulness and that kind of stuff. And I said, I guess. But they couldn't get past it. I mean, that dragon, a dragon looks like a dog. And I was like, yeah, yeah he does. He's got fur like a dog. And I was like, yeah, his face is shaped. Like a dog. And I was like, okay, yeah. So they were very, and, and I think it makes it feel cartoony in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we kept comparing it to our family dog. Like we kept comparing Elliot to our family dog and how, you know, the way he acted and playfulness and, and how he, you know, looks out for Pete and kind of follows him along wherever he goes. Yeah, he's definitely super fun character. Well, so one thing I love, I, I obviously, I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I mean, and when I watched it, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think I cried six times in this movie. Not an exaggeration. One of my daughters who never cries during movies, she never cries in movies, said, Daddy, I cried in that movie. And I said, I'm crying right now. Uh, it was, it, it, this movie's super earnest. What I love about this movie um, is how sweet it is how earnest it is. Um, and I said this when we were talking about before uh, we started recording, but it's not trying to be cool. It's not embarrassed about the silly parts of it. Um, so many of kind of like modern movie blockbusters, and I'm a big comic book fan from, I mean, as a kid, I read comic books. I actually had a girl tell me she wouldn't date me because I read comic books. That was because it was so weird and nerdy at the time. Like it was weird at 13 that I was reading. Now everybody talks about comic books. It's not as weird, but Every comic book movie now has to uh, uh, apologize through making fun of how weird they're like, you're going to have some big hero moment and then they have to apologize that Spider-Man has webs. And it's like, we're going to make a joke and make fun of it. This movie never makes fun of the fact that there's a dragon. People don't necessarily believe it, but they're like, there's a dragon. He looks like a dog. And that's the world we live in. And that's how kids kind of approach it. You know, they don't approach it with cynicism and sarcasm. 
And I love that about it. I, I just think, I think this movie is great. Uh, Sawyer, what do you think? So like, I, I liked parts of this movie. I'm definitely not the target demo is the thing. Uh, You're not three. I'm not three and I don't have a three-year-old. And so I, I don't slot like, and something I, 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 I thought. Well, and I you watching, are, you are Mr. Cynicism. This is the no, first, I, I really am. Yeah. This is this is the first podcast I have not cast you as the villain. Uh, partly because you told me beforehand that you really would like to be Carl Urban, and that made <laughs> me not want to cast you as the villain. But you are the cynical villain of this podcast, so I get yeah. that. I get that. And and so and th- that he's like he's he's like a uh, commercialization and and yeah, all of it. The face of anti-environmentalist. Yes, you're global warming. So but uh, I, I'm the anti-climate control kook. There you and, go. Uh, there you go. But uh, but no, I mean, look, did I love every aspect of this movie? No, I found parts of it boring. I, I, I would probably choose to watch E.T. over this movie every day of the week. But there are things that I actually really love about this movie. Um, I, A, I love the design of Elliot. We've gotten that. Um, the visual effects on him are a Well, he's a honestly. dog. He's a yeah. dragon that looks like a dog. <laughs> exactly and uh and so there's that and then i also and we'll get into it a lot more i loved robert redford's character in this movie he was everything that worked about this movie was on robert redford and he was just phenomenal in it did you guys see so this director i absolutely i mean this is one of those guys his name's david lowry i'd watch anything he puts out uh he did a movie right after this with robert redford called the old man and the gun um, and it's a it's a movie about Robert Redford at like 70 robbing banks. It is also just the sweetest, funniest. Like there's nothing, there's nothing cynical or sarcastic. So maybe you won't like that. I don't know. But I'm, now I'm doing it. But if you like Robert Redford in this movie, uh, you're all about it. It does just remind you that Robert Redford is a movie star in the way that they don't make movie stars anymore. Everything he says is just so like instantly like, tell me more. Well, and like the, like not to get into too much of like the minutia of filmmaking, but like the, just the sheer charisma that an actor like Robert Redford and his and someone in his caliber brings is like you can't dislike it. You you are almost like required to like Robert Redford, and so it, it's yeah. it's so great. There is something about him, and I think you know uh, the spoilers, I guess, for Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which he's also in. I think there's something that's so charismatic about him that you instantly trust him. Like they cast him as like he's the guy that you instantly trust. Like you're like, oh well, if he's saying there's a dragon, of course there's a dragon. Uh, which obviously they use against you in The Winter Soldier when it turns out, spoiler alert, that he's the bad guy. Uh, but I think that is something about him that really works in this. Uh, Donnie, what about you, man? What? How did you feel when you watched this? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I watched it with, I tried to watch it with both my kids. Uh, my five-year-old was less interested in it, which I was kind of surprised by, but my seven-year-old was very much into watching the movie, very engaged by the characters. And, you know, I asked like, you know, minimal questions, but they were very engaged throughout the movie. So I definitely think it's probably, in my opinion, probably closer to that seven and older between not quite teenager that would probably um, enjoy this most. Yeah, I definitely think this fits. um, 
this is not a movie. This is a movie that we would say, normally we say like, oh, this movie's only for older kids and it's because of whatever content's in it. This is a movie I'd say is not for much older kids um, just because I do think what it's about is really about, it's not even like a coming of age story of like, I'm becoming an adult. It really is about what it feels like to be that little and the world to be a place that's still full of wonder, but is also a little scary at times. And that you're trying to figure out like, where do I belong with my family, with other people? Um, so I'd agree. I think this is a movie. Um, and I do think maybe this is going to be one of ours. that's a little more uh, divided. It may not be for everyone. It may be, I, it's a slower paced movie. I'll just say that they don't make movies for kids these days that are quite as slow as this. But I think if like uh, like I'm get uh, Melody, Donnie's daughter, and uh, and Abel, uh, Heidi's son, uh, kind of get it. If you're if you're vibing with it pretty early on, I think your kids are going to be into it the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Well, well, and I would even say to that slow burn effect, it does make the movie when it decides to pick up it moves real fast yeah like i think especially in the final act like it it really like just snaps into gear and it's like we're off to the races and uh and it it, it was very effective in that way well and i think what you know you mentioned it being like et and i do think it's similar to et but i think the difference with it in et is et is a movie that begins with this broken family and then um he meets he meets E.T. and like the the middle hour of the movie is like the adventures they go on and then there's the stuff at the end. This movie begins with him already being friends with E.T. and then completely separates them for the middle hour of the movie. Like they don't really have anything to do with each other and it really becomes about can he get into this family and it really becomes about family and I think there's a there's there's something in that um, that is really powerful um, and I'll say my kids uh, certainly related to, I think they very much were just in tune with it from the beginning. Um, I think regardless, all of us would say uh, whether it's quite the exciting movies, some of the other ones, this is one of the most beautiful movies. And I just mean the way it looks, the way it's shot, like you want to go live in the new, I will say New Zealand hasn't looked this good since the Lord of the Rings films. Uh, people don't even know that this movie is not based in New Zealand, but they did shoot it in New Zealand. And it looks like I want to live in those woods. That is a beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. So what were you going to say, Heidi? Oh, earlier when you were talking about what, like, would you survive? How long would you survive in the woods with a dragon? And I was like, well, those woods, that tree, I'm down. Like, yes. I would be all for it. It would be. Um, exactly what you were describing the Robert Frost, like go into nature and, and I'd be living my best life. Yes, exactly. So let's, let's go ahead and get into what kind of conversations you can have with your kids. There's a lot of stuff in here. Um, and I, I think one of the ones we talked about pretty early on, which I think is really maybe the heaviest theme in this movie, uh, is probably tied. There's probably two that are big, but one of them that's huge is this idea. And the way Donnie kind of phrased it was, uh, the balance of kind of like faith and trust, but also, I think uh, this idea of the power of wonder. Um, this is a movie that really kind of utilizes. I think it's uh, Matt Patches is the film critic who first kind of coined the term Spielberg face, where you have characters looking at something and they have this face of awe and wonder. Um, you know, like in Jurassic Park when they first see the dinosaurs, or in ET when they see the spaceship, or Close Encounters when they see the spaceship. Uh, like these kind of moments where you you're you're feeling what the character is feeling because just by looking at their face when they see this wonderful thing. This movie is made for that because every character when they see the dragon is just awe and wonder and 
really the the kind of tightrope that is kind of being walked among most of the characters is there are characters that straight up from the beginning, right? There's the Robert Redford character who's an old man at this point and says that he had had this encounter with the dragon in the woods like 30 years ago. And no one believes him except for this group of little kids that he's always telling the stories to. And he's kind of become the kooky old man that no one believes. And then you've got these kind of more hardened characters, Bryce Dallas Howard, who's his daughter in the movie, she she really doesn't believe it. She thinks these woods are just woods and it's our job to take care of them, but whatever. Then you have like the Carl Urban character who doesn't believe in the dragon uh, until he does and then decides I have to destroy this dragon, right? I have to control this dragon. Um, but the movie really kind of has this thing and I said it to my kids at one point is they said, why, why won't he just, like he sees these things that look like a dragon. Why won't he believe that there could be a dragon? Why won't they believe this old man? And I said, there comes a point that when you're little, you're more open to things and you're willing to ask questions about the world. And the older you get, the less likely you are to be open to new things and to ask questions. And I said, uh, we don't want to be those kind of people that Jesus is inviting us into a kingdom of wonder where God's going to do things we could never believe or accept. And we need to be open and we need to be willing to ask questions and not hold so tightly to the assumptions we have that we miss it. Um, Donnie, you, you kind of brought this up too. So what was your thought when you were, when you wrote down like faith and trust, how, how does this movie kind of bring up those conversations? Yeah. Um, so like part of that came from, of course, watching um, like Pete and Elliot's relationship time, trying to slowly grow. Um, Cause like they show, they tell you in the captions, you know, it's a six year, six year gap. So right. they've had time to get six to, years, six years from when his parents died. He's in the woods to when they find him. So six years yeah. with Elliot. Yeah. And so he's been there with Elliot for this period of time, but you find there's so much trust between the, the two. And you think a lot of times, like as far as like as an adult, as we get older, we become less trusted. Right. Um, but when we're younger, we tend to have an open world of like, Hey, the world is trustworthy i can trust the things around me and all this and i'm not as apprehensive to the world yeah. and i think that balance is is so key in how they do this because like you said there's different characters like you got um the grandpa uh robert redford's character lampy <laughs> uh that is very much like hey this exists you just gotta believe and it's i i'm telling you this is real you know and then you have like you have Grace, who's kind of like like, and that's the mom. Um, is she's kind of like okay, I want to take care of the forest, but I don't believe there's anything past what I've seen. Right. You know, and so when you have that dynamic of like that faith, because you have to kind of believe there. You not everything that you believe will be visible, because it's just a matter of understanding that there are things like you kind of alluded to earlier is that. There are things beyond what we can see. There's things that are going to be on, be beyond our own visual belief. You know, it's like you believe in the air around you because you feel it, not because you can see it. Now, if you capture it in something and put some color around it, maybe you think it's swirling. I don't know. Um, but like, that's kind of the idea of that faith and trust is that you watch how different characters have a different balance of their trust of the world around them. It's like, Hey, you know, the trust that Pete has um, is with Elliot and their relationship. The trust that like uh, the grandpa has, Lampy, 
His is with just the world around him, and he trusts that there's more than what he knows. And then Grace trusts what she can see. She's not trust like it's not that she doesn't believe, but she's like, I haven't seen it. If I see it, I'm open to the idea, but I'm not there yet. So I'm just going to trust that we need to protect what I can't see. Well, and I think it goes to that, you know, that this is the place where I think a lot of believers, a lot of Christians find themselves in, which is, um, it, it, and we'll take this movie just as like a case study of it. Of It's not that you believe past the evidence, right? It's not that I'm believing in spite of evidence. It's that there is evidence, but I've already chosen my assumptions of how to interpret that evidence. There's this evidence I can't explain, so I'm going to in- choose how I interpret it. And there is a way that the older you get, you just kind of choose what your assumptions are going to be about the world. Um, and we call it wisdom, uh, right? Right. These are the people who seem wise. They're the people who seem like, well, they're the ones following the evidence. They're the ones doing whatever. And there comes a point where obviously we have to have evidence. Like I've followed Jesus and I have evidence of why I believe it. But I also know, and I think it's Dallas Willard who has this quote where he says that God, the reason God doesn't just come down and reveal himself to every single person is because of God's love for us and his, he wants us to have free will. He allows us to choose what we want to be governed by. And if I want to live in a world where there, there are, there's only coincidences and there's nothing supernatural and there's nothing magical. I want a world I can control and manipulate. God leaves evidence that I can interpret it to say all those things that you're calling evidence of God, that's coincidence. That's whatever. And for many people, that's where I get to. But if I want to live in a world where there is a God who loves me, who is interacting with me in this world, that prayer works and, and, and relationship with God works, then there's enough evidence for me to see that. And God's allowing us in our free will to choose what kind of world we want to live in. And you see, in this case, you have the Robert Redford character who's like, I, I have this evidence of what I, and no one else can see it, but I've had this experience there, there's enough evidence for me to say that this this thing exists, and obviously in this case we're talking about a dragon that looks like a dog. But, uh, but obviously I think that's a good thing to talk to our kids of, and really just trying to say keep yourself open to wonder, keep yourself open to this idea of there being beauty in the world, um, and that's really um, uh, kind of the way that this movie frames it around is really this kind of nature being this place of wonder, right? All the characters are kind of, there certainly is a kind of like environmentalist um, leaning to the movie that if if that works for you, it worked for me, but if it doesn't work for you, that's okay too. Because I think really nature in this case is serving as a, um, as a, a, um, a device for them to talk about this idea of wonder because like Donnie already has perfectly encapsulated. Uh, you have Bryce Dallas Howard who sees nature as something to be protected, but she kind of looks at the woods and goes, I know what I'm looking at. These are trees and this dirt has this, you know, nutritional, uh, you know, this soil has this kind of composition and I've, I've broken it down. I know what it is. And then you have the Carl Urban character, our villain who is cut from this, uh, this logging company. And he goes, when I look at the woods, what I see is this is something I'm meant to control and that I'm supposed to extract everything I can for my purposes that to the point when he sees a dragon that looks like a dog, his first thought is not, Oh, this is amazing. What do I like? I have so many questions. His first thing is let's go hunt it. Like, let's go capture it because I know what to do with this. How would you know what to do with a dragon? You've never seen one before because they, this is how I approach the world. What were you going to say, Heidi? Uh, I think it's 
his first thought was actually that the dragon looked like a dog, and that's why he thinks he can control him. So maybe that's what it is. It correct? Yes. He said, "Sit, sit, dragon." Yeah, but no, I think you're right. I think he's chasing down this idea of um, that that this thing can be controlled. And so, what I my my daughters asked about that, and I said, you know, in the first pages of the Bible, God says He puts us here to rule over creation in the world. He, the word He is used for it is we are to have dominion over it, which really is this idea of to cultivate it, to care for it. Cause he puts this in a garden, right? It's this idea of like gardening that I am going to get, it is going to produce things that I can use. And so sometimes I got to cut the tree down and there are things I got to use and harvest and all these kind of things. But the goal of it was always to care for it, to produce and multiply, right? That this would be the idea and to care for creation, that it's a gift God has given given us. But there is a way that many of us, and most of my life, I kind of looked at it as because I have dominion over it, I am to dominate it. I am to extract as much as I can, get as much as I can, and who cares what happens to the planet from that point on, uh, because it's here for me to do whatever I want. And and I think there's, there's something to that, that God calls us to care in that Elliot in this universe, the animals that God has created are also there for me to care for, that that's a part. And I think that's something kids can really, because kids just inherently you know, they see a tree and they don't see, look what I could make with that tree. They look at a tree and go, that's cool. That's, I want to climb that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be involved. And I think that's a cool thing to be able to talk to our kids about. Did, did you guys pick up on, on any of that as well? Yeah, I think too, to, oh, sorry, sorry. No, I mean, I was just going to say like so, something that I love about the character of Pete is his reluctancy to <laughs> rejoin civilization is very grounded in that desire to stay connected to the earth is the thing he, you know, I, 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 and I kind of wish the movie would have tugged on this thread a little more, but he, he feels responsible for Elliot is the thing. He almost feels like a protector for Elliot because he feels responsible when Carl Urban comes a hunting. And, uh, and I, I love that arc and I just wish they would have, I wish they would have uh, tugged that thread a little more than they did. Well, I think it's definitely there because I think you feel, and once again, you talk about E.T. at one point, you know, um, and we'll get to this in a little bit when we talk about the theme of kind of community and family, but there is this moment where Elliot, even himself, comes to life when he's near people, that he has to be near people. And my wife and I looked at each other because we love E.T. And there's the famous, you're killing him! Stop it! You know, and Elliot in that, who's the boy, cares so much for E.T. And I think that's all over, is that Pete really sees it as, like you said, I need to step in and care for this, that we feel that, right? You know, it's, once again, Dallas Willard, I think, said of, uh, you, you you see tons of humans whenever there are whales that are in trouble, and they go, we got to go save those whales, but you've never seen a bunch of whales get together and go, a little girl just fell in a well. We got to go get that little girl, because God put us here to care for creation. It wasn't creation's job to care for us, that God wants us to rule over it, and I think that's, in, I think kids are more in touch with that. Uh, Donnie, uh, uh, Heidi, have either of y'all seen that to be true with your kids? That they just seem more in tune with kind of the wonder of the world and nature and all of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely for mine too. And they look at everything like families. They group all <laughs> like if they see a worm <laughs> when it rains and the earthworms come out, they're like, oh. 
where's its mommy and daddy, you know, or if it's right. a big one, where are the babies? I'm like, oh, you know, because it's just that that's the way that their mind processes these things, that these, you know, animals are, are more like us than not. Whereas as adults, we think the animals are nothing like us. And, you know, we are much more evolved than all that. Well, and I think that's what I love about this movie. And I, I will say I'm probably the one who loves the movie most on this podcast. But I think what I love about it is the way that it forces you as an adult to get into the mind of a child. It is a movie almost made from a child's birth. The way the movie views things. Because in this movie, in any other movie, the Elliot, Elliot would be a parent surrogate. Right, because you'll see this in everything. Toy Story. If you don't realize that what Toy Story One is about is Woody is is Andy's dad and Buzz is the stepdad, and they have to learn how to co-parent and get along together. That's what Toy Story is about. It'll make every movie, all the Toy Story movies, from that clear. Because every what Pixar figured out that all these movies figured out is parents want the movie to be about them. The parents want to go and be able for the movie to be about them. This is a movie that isn't about the parents. It's from the perspective of the kid. Because in any movie, Elliot's the whatever you want to accept, foster adoptive parent who then helps them get to a human family and goes off and dies in the wilderness. Or, you know, dies trying to save Pete because that's what the parent is supposed to do. In this movie, Elliot finds a family because Elliot's a kid too. Because Elliot was supposed to have this. And like you said, it's a movie that really forces you to get in this mindset. It's one of my favorite Harry Potter quotes where Dumbledore talks to Harry. It's not in the movies. It's in the books. But he says, the greatest crime, he goes, is for adults to assume that children can think like adults. And he said, what's worse is when adults forget what it was like to be young. And we do. We so much forget what it was like to see the world through a kid's eyes. And I thought a lot with like Robert Redford sitting there with the kids. And Heidi, you talked about this earlier about like the kids. You go ahead and talk a little about how much the kids just love Robert Redford. And yeah, well, you know, his audience keeps adapting and changing over the years, but it's always sort of the same. You know, the dad talks about he was once a kid listening to his stories. And it kind of actually reminded me of the story in the Bible where the blind man, he has this one encounter. He doesn't even actually see him, but he has this one encounter. And from that point forward, he wants to tell everybody about it. And he doesn't go and tell the people who don't want to hear the truth. He he says, you're not going to listen anyway. So I'm, I'm just going to go talk to these other people about this amazing encounter I just had. And so I, it kind of it's cool how it's like the. Um, the older, the the grandpa figure, you know, the wise one. And then also the child, you know, the main character of Pete are the two that they see reality more than anybody else in the film, you know? Yeah. So I think that's really cool that, that it kind of brings those two sides of it. You know, he's kind of gotten to the end of his life where he's like, no, this is what's real. You know, this is what's, this is what you guys need to know about it. Cause it's incredible. And then Pete, he's, you know, he's that childlike wanderer as well because he's a child. Well, and I think, you know, you mentioned the story of Jesus with the blind man. I love that. The story I kept thinking of when I would see Robert Redford with the kids is just Jesus and the little children. Because, you know, my whole life, and I and I don't think, I don't know why I had never read it this way, but that Jesus was probably insanely silly because kids love grown-ups who are silly who are willing to not take themselves seriously i never when i was before i had kids i was never good with little kids i was good with teenagers because i was cynical and sarcastic and i could make jokes sarcasm doesn't work with kids because they don't get it they assume that when you say something you mean it 
and they don't understand a world where you don't, but they love it when it, when, and so I was watching this show, uh, the chosen, which I'm not like, I, I, my wife and I used to make fun of Christian TV shows. This show is actually really well done, really powerful. We've talked about it here before, but there's an episode where Jesus is just hanging out with little kids. He's camped out and these kids come to see him and he's just silly with them and he's playing their games. And he, and that's what play is, is entering into the reality of a, of a kid that when my, when one of my daughters comes up and they hand a cup to me and there's nothing in it, they go, here's your drink, sir. For me to, for me to look at it and go, okay, great. Which I have done sometimes, but I get an opportunity. They're inviting me into their reality which is this is water and I get to, I get to drink it and Oh, what else can you do? And I get to engage with them. And I think this movie is doing that. This movie is inviting you into it. And one of the ways, as you said, and this is where I want to get to kind of at the end, this is the other big theme is the importance of why we were made to live together. Why you can't just be, uh, I should have looked it up. We are talking, whether it's frost or Longfellow or whoever it is, Whitman, one of those guys who was like, I went to the wilderness to really live. This idea of going off into isolation in nature, and that's where real life is, me alone. That is not the way God designed us. God designed us to live with one another. And this movie is huge, right? The big dilemma at the end of the movie is, is Pete going to go off with Elliot to another wilderness, or is he going to live among people? And he says, I have to stay... These these are people like me, and I have I'm made for them, and you're made for this. And then certainly, and you see it all over. Is every time Elliot, but not just Elliot, because Bryce Dallas Howard does it too. Anytime a human being touches Elliot, that is loving and caring, Elliot's fur changes from this dark green to this very vibrant light green, and it's just a sign that we were made to be near one another. And like you said, though, that's the way kids see the world. They see you two should be together, right? They say that to me all the time. They go, well, she's married to him. And he's, you know, like they're just putting people together because they they know we're supposed to be in in with other people. And I, I, mean, I remember saying that to my kids over and over again is how important it is that we always have people that love us and that we can love and we can serve. Did you guys get that from the movie as well? I mean, did, did any of that speak to you or? Yeah, how we thrive in community. And I think that's kind of why, like, at the end, it was such a, like, you know, like, such a, like, closure and, like, a positive ending because you see, you know, the these family connections that they're able to build. And all along the way, you know, they were family, but, you know, he loses his family and then the two of them are family. And then you see him, you know, develop family. And I think that's a really positive thing for us to to, you know, point out to our kids that we might not always have the same fit. Our family might not always look the same, but, you know, or your family might not, but we, you can find family anywhere you go. Well, and I, talk about that a little bit more, Heidi, because you said this, this thing earlier, I think it's huge as parents, um, you know, Elliot and Elliot and Pete at one point have to separate and kind of find a new family and how hard that is. I mean, you're the only parent on here who has an adult child who's kind of off in the world and obviously still connected to you, but you talked about it from a different perspective that I think is powerful. Yeah. You know, I just think that our goal as parents should be to um, help our kids get to a place where they can live life, a life of fulfillment and joy. And, you know, hopefully through Christ, they find that true fulfillment and joy and they can do it completely independent from us, whether we're here or not, you know? And so like Elliot, you know, he's, he's ends up 
you know, kind of leaving him and, and letting Pete find his own family. But then you realize like, it's not, it's not a, he, he doesn't go and just be alone. Like you said, or go to the woods and die or whatever. Like he goes and he, he makes his own family too. Donnie, were you going to add something to that? Yeah. Cause I was thinking about kind of going off the, with that, but it's also the idea of the community thing. I think there's a certain aspect of like in isolation, we're not as vulnerable but in community, we are willing to be vulnerable because yeah. it's it's easier to be vulnerable when you have others to share it with. But when you're just by yourself, you're not necessarily being vulnerable. You're just being with your own thoughts, your own feelings. But when you're in community with others, like when as soon as like Elliot is or like, I'm sorry, like Pete is around this family, you see that he slowly he doesn't he's not doesn't feel like he has to be like in control or any of that he kind of melts and meshes in with the family and just fills the space that they left for him to occupy. And I'm already emotional. So I'm going to try not to cry because as you were talking there, Donnie, it just reminded me of one of the most beautiful parts of the movie, which is the reason the dragon is named Elliot is because he has this book that's called Elliot gets lost. And he, and there's a part where Pete at, at a young age is able to read, but not very well. So he's kind of like, that's the beginning of the movie's reading. So he kind of knows the story, but like all little kids, he, he doesn't remember it exactly right. And then there's a scene where the, the family actually has the same book and the dad starts reading the book. And it's really about how Elliot gets found again. And Pete goes, that's not the way I tell the story. And then the dad said, oh, okay, well you can tell it. Cause what Pete is saying is my story, my story is that Elliot is lost. And the dad's like, but the real story was that Elliot is found and he gets to have a family. And I just thought for, you know, I think a lot for my kids, and I think that was the moment one of my daughters was crying, was this idea that you have a story you tell yourself. And my story is I'm lost and that I'm unlovable and that no one could ever care for me. But the, you just weren't reading the story. It's not even a different story. You just didn't know how to read the story. And the real story is you're lovable and you're valuable and you have worth. And I mean, I was like, Duh! you know, watching it because I, I don't actually cry out loud, but my kids will come over and go, daddy. Oh, he's crying again. You know, <laughs> oh, he's crying because I got tears streaking down my face. So, all right, Heidi, what so, were you going to say? Back to, yeah, back to Donnie's point. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of cool because, you know, he talked about isolation and that's what Elliot was, you know, and so he wouldn't have, he would have never known what the story really was, you know, if he hadn't have been driven out of isolation or pulled from isolation and, you know, especially with the pandemic and things like that, like I was reading statistics about how isolated kids feel right now and how, you know, depression is skyrocketing in all age groups and stuff. And that can be really scary, but I think that we can, you know, like, like this movie kind of models or whatever is that we can find family, find a community um, to connect with. And it doesn't have to be our, you know, biological family or, you know, it doesn't have to be the friends that we've had for this many years. Like we can create our own little family in whatever circumstances and whatever, you know, phase of life that we're in uh, for, for ourselves and for our kids so that we have this, you know, kind of reflection of what is our story? What are we, what are the things we're telling ourselves? What are the things that we are telling as truth to our kids, you know? And I think that that's huge to, to help us to, you know, clear up those misconceptions that we have about ourselves and about others in the world around us. Well, and I think ultimately where we want our kids to get, and I think you're right, uh, Heidi and hope is that 
our the purpose of our families, and I almost talked about this last week on our Mitchells and the Machines movie um, discussion. But the purpose of a family is that it would be a model of the of of Christ's love for us and the church. That the church is meant to be my true family. You know, Jesus says it at one point of who's my who's my family. It's these just those who do the will of God, and that hopefully you know, from the parent perspective that I'm a part of the church. And if my kids become part of the church, we get to be, but it's a different kind of family now and that my family is a part of that, but that I want my kids to know, even if you don't live in the same town as me, wherever you go, there is, there are other believers who can be brothers and sisters for you. And that can be that way for you. And I think that's just a beautiful way that this movie really hits on that. And I think my my prayers as we're kind of wrapping this up is I really do hope that a lot of families watch this and that for parents, they get a chance to try and see the world through the eyes of their kids um, and not with the cold, dead heart of Sawyer and uh, his his cynicism and sarcasm. Sawyer, Sawyer, is, is, is your cold, dead robot heart beating it all? Oh, yes. And it, here's the thing. It was going to go find some movie. trees to cut down. Okay. After <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was, I was very much enjoying all the woodwork that was going on in this movie. <laughs> true. True. Okay. Well, Hey, we really do appreciate everyone uh, taking the time to watch this. We hope that it inspires you, whether you choose this movie or one of the other movies we talked about, or you find another movie to watch. Cause the goal of this is that you would just build memories with your kids and you would start conversations that help them to love Jesus and his way of life even more. So we hope uh, you do that and we are praying for you as you do.